my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited today to be here with a 2005 graduate of our program, Anna Lee Haygood Earl. Hi, Anna Lee. Hi, how's it going? Uh, it's great. It's great. It's so great to see your smiling face and to get to know you a little bit better. As I said, Anna Lee graduated in 2005. So that was a year before I arrived at Cal Poly. And so um, we'll, we're going to we're gonna get to know each other a little bit better here today, just like all of the listeners. Anna Lee is currently the founder and CEO of her own company, Bash Creative Incorporated. And so I'm super excited to talk about being an entrepreneur in the event space. Um, we have as you know, Annalie, um, we have so many students who are um, uh, interested in special event management. Um, you know the, the 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 builders of the past, right? The the doctor Doctor Shank and Kendi Rude and all the people who came before that helped build special event management at Cal Poly. Um, I'm sure we can talk about them, but um, we have such a great foundation in, in special events, and can't wait to talk about that with you. I'm very excited. I definitely got my foundation at Cal Poly and a lot of experience that led me to where I'm at. So I'm excited to kind of draw the, the threads there for you today. Yeah, definitely. So tell us, where, where are you from, Annalie? So I'm originally from Laguna Beach, California, uh, Southern California. It was pretty popular when I attended college. Uh, it happened to be on television at the time. Some of it's true. Some of it's not. But it was a uh, there was a time in which I didn't say Laguna Beach, California out loud. <laughs> right. I hear you. So, you know, I I know and, and I know, but I'm not sure too many of our listeners are going to know what you're talking about. What are you referring to there? What 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 popular TV show was going when you were in college? There was a popular MTV reality TV show following high school students called Laguna Beach. <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> Right on. Okay, that's awesome, man. That brings back some memories. That's wild. Um, well, uh, so what did, what did your parents do when you were growing up, Emily? So my dad has always been an entrepreneur. He was, uh, they called it headhunting, which is basically a recruiter um, for the tech industry, the executive level in the 1980s, 90s. Uh, and then when I was in high school, actually, he retired. So uh, set kind of the mark to be able yeah. to uh, be what success looked like for me. Uh, my mother, she is a psychologist and oh. she's on her own family uh, and marriage counseling uh, service. And then she moved into the insurance world for mental health and was an account manager. Um, neither of my parents were together. They were not together with each other the majority of my life. So I had two really independent um, role models and growing up on kind of what the paths were in front of me. Right, 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 right. Well, you know, we we have a couple of um, similarities there. Uh, my my parents um uh, uh, split it when I was a, a very young, and um, and I'm a psychology major. I, I uh, my my undergraduate was in psychology. Yeah, so that's awesome. I failed at being an entrepreneur, so I want to hear I, I want to hear all of your uh, your secrets from you and your dad. So uh, you you're teaching future entrepreneurs. That's right. That's arguably right. better than being an entrepreneur. But um, and a fun other small fact is that my dad is Cal Poly alum, so that was the reason I was introduced to Cal Poly and why I even made it there. 
Oh, she awesome. forced me to go to Cal Poly on our college tour and I fell in love. Awesome. I love that. You know, I hear so much, Annalie. It's it's amazing with the people that I talk to, um, learning about those threads, right? M- uh, mom, dad, mom or dad or, or brother or sister or or whatever going to Cal Poly. What about siblings? Did you have any siblings growing up? So through my father remarrying, I have a stepbrother. His name is Rick. I love him dearly. He's older than I am. Um, and he's also special needs. So um, I think that's important to note because I had exposure with him quite young about like tolerance and patience and understanding and, mm-hmm. uh, and that continues through today. And fun, interesting fact that I've been able to experience over this pandemic because we're always having to look for what has been um, positive in it is that I've been able to reestablish a relationship with him because he can use screen to screen, but not on the phone. So it's been really neat to be back in touch with him weekly and have him back in my life because he was really important in my growing up. Yeah, that's so great to hear. That's uh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that story. So tell us, tell us what um, what young Annalie was like. You know, I've um, I've asked, uh, I, I try to ask all of our guests this, and I've been asking it even more recently, um, related to to that identity, so students can kind of get a picture of what you were like when you were younger. Um, so what was uh, what was young Annalie into? What was your jam? Were you uh, drama, arts? Uh, sports what was your jam um okay so as a kid I was a little bit of a terror at least as a teenager I was (laughs) um I certainly didn't like put academics first but I always put work first and like all of my other commitments so if we go you know to my high school years I always had a job I was on a uh ASB I was yearbook editor I played sports all the things to keep me very busy. I think that was to my parents doing. Um, But even when I was really young, uh, like the age of eight, I created a a mother's helper business where I put out flyers saying, I'll come watch your kids while you're there because I was not old enough to take care of them by myself. Right. Um, So I've always kind of had that spirit, uh, really hard worker, really high moral and value compass. Um, Also, I love to test boundaries. I was always really curious. Um, I'm sure actually maybe Bill or a couple of teachers remember that, but Uh I love to ask questions. I want to know why, because I am constantly picking things apart and putting them back together for a better process. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a I can relate that back to a lot of people that like mechanically to take things apart. Like they were the kid that took apart their toaster to figure out how it worked. Right. I would like kind of pick apart a situation or an experience Very and yeah. understand like all the pieces that went into it. Right. Um, my mother being a single mom uh, who loved to entertain and our family was our friends. I learned a lot in hospitality from her. I mean, <laughs> we had up lights in my house uh as a child so. no way that's awesome <laughs> i really do feel that like so if, looking back and in hindsight there's so many things of my childhood my personality my raising that all led me to the path that i have chosen and led me to cal poly and led me to be an experiential um an events person so yeah i'm one of few of my friends that it's very obvious i have known what i wanted to do for a very long time. I love that. I love that. And, you know, we've recently, I've been talking a lot. And one of the things that I I have learned through this podcast is, um, is the importance of ASB, 
You know, um, I, I feel like um, because now I have a, I have a, a daughter who is in, in middle school and she, she's in leadership. And and so it's like the light bulb went on for me recently where I realized that ASB has been a really important driver for our major because these these kids who are who, who become leaders right through ASB are putting on events. That's what ASB does, right? Those kids put on events at their schools. And so when they see special event management, they go, oh, I'm loving doing this. Yeah. And so that's something I could do. Um, and uh, so I, I never really, I never realized that connection before. And um, so it's cool hearing you say it also that it's- the, I actually the- haven't made that connection either. But with you saying that, it also- you know, the same type of personality that's going to put themselves out there to be a leader in ASB is also very interested in being an observer of what the experience of the rest of the students are and how they can improve that. I mean, sometimes it might be a little superficial, I'm sure, in high school. But yeah. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, they're interested in others and providing and serving others, which is a huge piece of being successful in this industry. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's transition a little bit to, uh, to the Cal Poly years, right? So you talked about your dad being a, being a legacy and, and, um, and coming uh, on a tour and, and falling in love with, with San Luis Obispo and, and, and Cal Poly. Um, so it didn't take a whole lot of convincing um, for, for the, the folks. Um, what about uh, Recreation Parks and Tourism Administration? Did they know from your, from your previous, uh, you know, from your, your experiences growing up, did they know that this was the major for you? Or no. um, what, what did they say? I don't think they had they any say? idea what to do with me because right. they just wanted to keep me busy. I was getting in trouble in high school and they were just happy I was going to college. Right. Um, <laughs> right. But I originally thought it was touring schools, assuming that I wanted to go into business. Um, my father was an entrepreneur. I understood mm-hmm. that I did at some point want to own a business that was like very attractive to me. What it would be, I didn't know. Yeah. Um, but we went on a tour and I was actually at Chico State where I spoke with an advisor there and they introduced me to the idea of, uh, at the time, it was called Recreation Administration. Yep. And came to that conclusion because a lot of what I want to do was travel. I really loved experience. I liked business. I had zero interest in uh, economics mm. um, or accounting. accounting. And so it just seemed like it was a more specialized business degree, truly, um, that right. also had some overlap in just some interests of mine, like parks and outdoors and community. Mm-hmm. Um, so they introduced me to the program there at Chico, but also let me know that Cal Poly had one. And so that and it was new at the time. Honestly, this major was not something that was common or people knew about, and they certainly didn't seem to um, connect it with events, right? And especially in what we would call events today, where you know these just large corporate activations. Um, yep. None of that was on the radar. So I liked it from the travel aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it from like getting to avoid math aspect. (laughs) Um, And I liked that it gave me a little more direction. So, uh, and then, you know, Cal Poly was a little bit easier to get into when I got into it than it is now, but it was also a play to get into the school because the business program was overwhelmed and the rec admin was under like underrepresented and really 
where it wasn't really common. So there was less competition to get into the right. The right. Now, I love it. Case, and well, I'm yeah, I mean, yeah, it, yeah, it has shifted. It has shifted a bit, but, um, yeah. but yeah, you're exactly right. Especially with special event management. I remember when I started in 2006, when we were doing senior projects with special events, there wasn't really an academic field. And so no. it was difficult for students to complete um, a review of literature on special events, for example. Um, it's not hard at all now because there's, you know, there's academic journal after academic journal talking about special event management and experiences and all of those different things. But yeah, you're absolutely right that in 2000 and uh, 2000 and what, uh, 2001, when you were, when you were um, first getting here, yeah, I, it was definitely underdeveloped. And um, so I love that. I love that you saw the future, I guess. Right. <laughs> so that's great. Yeah. Well, I mean, it seemed really interesting, right? Yeah, and yeah. you can always change your mind. How many people do we know that have degrees that don't use them? Um, yeah. I use mine all the time. Very excited about that. Yeah. Um, but at the time, it was really community engagement and hospitality. So, you know, UNLV, where it was like hotels and restaurants, but mm-hmm. nothing concentrating towards events. However, at the time, also, there were not events in events that we know today didn't exist. Right. Good point. Yeah, very good point. So let's talk a little bit about the Cal Poly years. You know, I, I assume, Annalie, that you, uh, based on what you told me about uh, being in high school, I assume you you jumped in and got involved. Um, our current students who listen to the podcast like to hear about certain things that you did um, while you were here to to really enhance your professional development, right? To give you that confidence to, to step out into the working world. Um, so were there, was there something that you did in particular that really stands out that, that really was a driver for you? Um, well, I mean, similar to high school, I always held a job and in college I held several. Yeah. Um, and so I would have to say my work experience alongside my experience in the degree and then also all the labs that we had that you know certainly encouraged working out in the community that really helped so i i would seek out jobs that were supportive of my learning um i worked at edna valley vineyards in their events department for quite some time um i I also worked in food and beverage this is not exclusive to rec majors at all this is this is for everyone right you need to go serve a table or work behind a bar at some point in your life to ever have an understanding of what service should be like. Yeah. Um, as an old, as an old waiter and bartender, I, I totally agree. I, I tell students that in class to say, you know, light bulb uh, to see how yeah. people treat service industry people yeah, and both the good and the bad and having the ability to like deal with it appropriately in the moment is going to take you very, very far in whatever career you decide. I absolutely agree. And, um, you know, I, and I also think with um, with our major and, and what we do and, and what we're focusing on, you know, with this co-creation of experiences, like in, in, I, I think one of the things that is really important and also learn by doing um, mm-hmm. it, is that um, when you're when you're working, you look at it in a different light when you're in a university that promotes learn by doing and when you're in a major where experience design is important. Because hopefully you're not just waiting on that table. You're not just serving that bar. You're thinking about the overall experience of of what it might be like or or what it's like. 
for um, you know fellow employees, for for customers, for um, for everyone involved. And so I think that's um, I really appreciate you bringing that out. Um, so let's talk about that transition to the working world. Um, uh, our current students also like to hear about the process, how you found your internship and and secured it and what you did and and what that was like. So can you uh, can you share that with us? Certainly. And um, I'll preface this with that I operate personally with a lot of transparency. So um, I would say maybe one of my bigger regrets from being at Cal Poly was waiting until the very end to even seek out an internship. Mm-hmm. Um, and in all honesty, seeking it out because it was requirement. Um, I wish that I had taken the time to have internships along the way, especially during the summer. I let having a job get in the way of that. And I think that I could have managed both an internship with a job um, during my time there and would have benefited a lot from that. So I highly recommend for any students that are about to hear how I handled it to not follow my path and to do what I just said. I love it. Um, I love it. I, I think that's a great, I think that's a, I appreciate that transparency. Um, I waited until the last minute. I like forced myself into an internship at Pebble Beach, which was a really big um, partner of Cal Poly's yep. program. I don't, are they still yep. a huge yep. partner of yours? Has been, yeah, has been for many okay. years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Incredible. And there was no more internships left. I'm pretty sure Bill pulled a favor and like begged to get me in there. Um, <laughs> the banquet department at the lodge was like underwater with staffing. So they brought me in as an intern. Now they were not prepared to have an intern because they had no intern program in that department, um, nor the time to really deal with an intern. And uh, I was just last minute. I was happy to get what I got. And but because both because of the scenario, it made it a little difficult, I think, to get everything that I, I needed out of that internship. Um, it, it could have been a little bit better experience if they were better prepared. Right. Um, yeah. And I have that hindsight now because I've had interns and I've had to figure out how to have interns. And I really remember like being in that scenario, feeling like I was just their gopher and what am I actually learning? And that was feeding for me considering I was working for free. Yeah. Right. So, or for school credit. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> um, so, but again, hindsight's amazing. And I get to tell this story now. Right. I did learn a lot. And one is that the hospitality industry requires you to start from the bottom and work your way up. It, if you want to be successful in it, you've got to know how it works from the the very bottom, the most menial tasks, because those all bubble up into everything that you have to plan for. Um, At the end of the day, you have to know how long does it take to make food labels? You know, you have to know like, what are the union rules about setting up chairs and tables and when do they have to take breaks? Uh, You have to know how to translate an event order across all different types of departments. And if you come into just a management role straight out of school and not having that experience, going to be a really rough road ahead. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, um, one of our, one of the podcasts, uh, that, that will, that will air after you. We, um, I, I talked to, uh, a, a gentleman by the name of, uh, Brad Gessner, who is one of our advisory council members and, um, 40 year career in hospitality. And he actually verified, uh, he'll, he'll, uh, he'll back you up on, uh, on those things that you just said. And that's just really, really great advice. And, um, uh, I, I, 
so so moving out of of Pebble Beach, and and I also think it's it's funny because the next podcast that will air, um, we have a Pebble Beach connection also with a uh, John, yeah, with John Romley who spent eight years as a caddy at, at Pebble Beach. So uh, we're in our we're in our Pebble Beach section. I love it. I just love it. So, <laughs> well, you gotta give them a shout out. They've been a partner of, of the the departments for I'm not gonna mention how many years. You guys have to do the math from the very that's beginning. That's right. That's right. It's been a while. So, so speaking of, so speaking of, of hospitality, right. I mean, you, you spent, um, you spent a, a good number of years. I mean, what about, what was it? Four, um, uh, seven years in, in the hospitality world, um, leading out of Pebble Beach, right. Through your various experiences in hotels and, and with Starwood and with the uh, San Francisco Metro market. So I wonder, you know, I don't want to go through each and every one of those positions, um, but uh, you know, I know you've you've had you have positions from from meeting specialist to convention services manager to catering sales manager to meeting and event manager. Um, so I wonder if if you could, in, in thinking about these big high end hotels, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what advice would you give to someone um, who's interested in going into um, hotel management, who's interested in going into conventions and meeting management? Um, obviously, there's always that interconnection with a hotel, right? That, that when, we, when we talk about those spaces. But what did you learn during that time? And what advice would you give to, to people interested in that space? I mean, that's where I learned everything. <laughs> Um, that is where my degree got put into place, but there, I I learned so much and I expanded my boundaries so significantly within the role. Um, it's a tough, thankless industry at times. Um, but it's also incredibly rewarding at times. So it's a roller coaster is one of the things to mention. And you have to prepare yourself for that a little bit mentally and be able to, you know, um, manage yourself. I, I think that the hotels offer such a team environment, but at the end of the day, like you really need to be the most accountable to yourself and the work that you're doing and the feelings that you're having and mm-hmm. stressors and all of that, because it's a massive operation. Right. Um, what I loved about working in hotels is that it's a massive operation and there is so many personalities. There's your food and beverage people, which you will learn is a particular personality for the most part. There's your accounting, there's your engineering, there's your housekeeping, there's your front office and guest services, executives. And so you're constantly having to learn how to communicate best with each of these departments as catering convention services, sales, because you're dependent upon each of these departments exceeding your expectations to make your clients happy. So the art of um, persuasion and, you know, lead by doing and making sure that you have open communication, all of that is what really is translated into me being successful as an entrepreneur and as a salesperson. Mm -hmm. Um, You are a team, but you have to get your hands dirty. And similar, you know, to my statement about starting at the bottom, I mean, try to understand each and every single department and like what are their pressure points and what are um, their hurdles or their process, because that was the way I was able to win most of them over to work with me and allow me to succeed and move up throughout 
my time at Starwood Hotels. So um, I think that's really, really important. Uh, and accountability is also something just to really remember and hold dear. Right. Well, I love a couple of elements of what, of what you just said, you know, that that communication element with a, with a massive team. And, and, you know, you just think about it, like if, if you're not communicating with if you're not communicating with the maintenance department when you're in sales, you're in sales and, and, and marketing and a jackhammer starts right about the time a wedding uh, reception is getting underway. Um, that's that looks bad on you for sure. I'm sure you I'm sure you've had um I'm sure you've had a couple of um, or, or at least one uh, funny story that you can share with us. I'm kind of putting you on the spot here because this is off script. Um, but I just started thinking about that. You know, I thought about the jackhammer because I woke up in a hotel once with a jackhammer outside my window and I was like, what? in the immortal I'm paying like, you know, I don't know. I was probably in my twenties. So paying a hundred dollars felt like a lot, but you know, whatever you're paying it to be woken right. up by a jackhammer. Uh, but I'm sure you have, I'm trying to buy you time and leave for a good story. Do you have a good, a good story of a, of a fail along those lines with someone oh, in communication? I have so many, so many stories. Communication <laughs> fails. I don't even know where to start to be very honest. Um, <laughs> Gosh, you know, so often in the jobs that I was doing, the the communication, especially for something like that, like if a jackhammer went off or, you know, there was some sort of disturbance or somebody's competitor was next door to them or, right. um, you know, I, their keynote didn't show up. I mean, we had these, these issues all the time. Right. If, if, if something actually wasn't going wrong, that's when I like would start to get nervous and be like, oh my God, what's going right. to Right. Right terribly wrong right. um, but yeah i mean we had a lot of things like that uh so i'm trying to think of one that's like no oh, it's fine i put you on the spot yeah i put you on the spot and i'm sorry about that <laughs> I, but you know as you're talking i started thinking about one of the things we learned when we were we were writing the book on learn by doing is um one of the things that is a signature of it is is um learning from mistakes, right? That, yeah. that ability, that ability through learn by doing to understand that everything doesn't go perfect. Um, th things never go perfectly like you planned. Yeah. And part of uh, what's so important in an experiential environment is being able to on the fly uh, fix that problem. And so I actually love that you really, an example doesn't come up in your mind. And it's probably because you've just you've just come to be like a, a fire person putting out fires and, and, and fixing Absolutely. things, right? Yes. You're a firefighter. It? And you have to keep the calm, cool and collected too, because the, the client's always going to react off of your energy. Yeah. And so being able to be like, okay, sure. There's a problem. Like, I mean, we got this. Um, we found a homeless person sleeping underneath the registration desk. Like, okay, great. So I'm going to create a diversion over here. Wake him up. Kindly escort this gentleman to place in which he can, you know, freshen up and yeah. uh, move on, you know, uh, but this was like daily occurrences. And I think where I fell in love with events is that you can spend so much time trying to engineer a very particular experience, but it is a live, living, breathing thing. And it gets <laughs> let go at a certain point and you don't have control. It's like you've given birth to this thing and it's 
it's living its own life and you can only be there to um, course correct it, put up some bumper lanes, you know, teach lessons along the way, but it is every event is like raising a child. Right. So I'm sure parents will be like, no, it's not. Um, but this is what I imagine it's like to raise a right. child. <laughs> right. I love it. I love it. I love the example. And um, I, I think, you know, when I, when I reflect on it, I think one of the reasons why I don't, I, I'm not a special events person, right? And I, and I, and I don't really gravitate towards it um, because I show, I think I show my emotion on my face too much. And like when things go wrong, I have a hard time. Like mm-hmm. students have probably, a number of students over the years have seen like computers fail in the classroom on me. And I like have a tendency to start like under my breath, like dropping F bombs and like, you know, they can see that that I'm freaking out, you know, and I'm like, where's the AV club guy, you know, who comes up and helps me, you know, you're probably, you're probably, you probably remember AV club. You remember AV club? Oh yeah. yeah. No one knows what AV club is anymore because uh, it's just all AV club now. <laughs> Everybody, all the students probably already know better than you do anyways. Exactly. Out. Exactly. Now I just call them up like anyone. Okay. Someone come up and fix this for me. You know? and <laughs> they, that they... would be an example of like adapting to your scenario. Um, right. I, you know, I, I don't welcome problems to happen in an event because I do want them to go according to plan, but I am not scared of them. I have no problem with it at all right. because it gives me an opportunity to um, adjust it gives me an opportunity to learn. And it also gives, I mean, sometimes when there's tension points with your clients and you're able to come up with a solution and like work through something together, it actually brings you closer. So having these, I'm just waiting for what is it going to be? And um, in the planning phase, you know, now with my experience, I just throw out what has happened in the past and what is potentially likely to happen. And it's a big guessing game. And we just, you know, put our best foot forward and, have some plans for A, B, C, and D, and uh, you know, just be honest about the situation. Stuff goes wrong. People are actually way more forgiving than you would ever imagine. Right, right. As long as you show competence in in um, in fixing the problem, right, and, and, and calm and, and calm, right? Yeah, yeah. and I acknowledgement too. That's the other right. thing that is really important. People forget is that don't pretend like it didn't happen, right. even if you have a solve right away. Acknowledge it, especially if it's affecting all of your guests. Make an announcement that you acknowledge it and what you're doing about it, and they will forgive you easily. I love it. I love it. Such great advice. So let's get to um, to the exciting part of the of uh, of your journey or your career journey, and that's uh, becoming your own boss, uh, founder and CEO of Bash Creative. Um, so uh, first of all, if you, if you would tell us, um, tell us what Bash Creative does and, and, and um, what your vision is there. Uh, and, and, then, and then if you would walk us through the story about how um, you decided to, to break out on your own and, and form your own company. Sure. So Bash Creative is a boutique event production agency. We are based out of the Bay Area, but produce events globally. Um, we actually just hired our 12th full-time employee, but we do rely on a wonderful network of contractors for per project basis. Right. Our company really concentrates on um, events for like stylish brands and tastemakers. We want to be doing things that are new and different, and we want to challenge the norm. We also have a really 
deep rooted value in um, working with good companies and doing good things. So, you know, we want to concentrate on sustainability. We want to concentrate on diversity and inclusion. Um, We want to concentrate on representation and doing honest, good work. So we are always seeking out clients that are aligned with our values because it certainly makes it a lot easier. Yeah, Um, I love it. Uphill battle to be teaching people along the way, but we're more than happy to do so because we think that, you know, even as a small agency, we can have a really large impact on bringing back good events. Like events don't need to be these wild, uh, showy experiences all the time. They're fun. But there should be like purpose and meaning to the reasons, meaning to the reasons that we're gathering. Love it. Love it. That's awesome. So tell us the story about how you you first started Bash Creative. Obviously, you you had built this experience up with um with Starwood Hotels, the W Weston, um, and and um obviously, you know, we talked about those experiences, you developed confidence, you, you, you understood the industry, you knew what was going on. And so walk us through, but even, but even then it's still scary to break out on your own, I am sure. So, so walk us through uh, what went into, uh, what went into that process. Absolutely. So, I mean, I had spent six years of star in hotels at this point, I'd made my way through a bunch of different um, roles and responsibilities my final one was with Metro Market, and I was handling four of their largest properties downtown, all of their catering events. Uh, my last year, I did somewhere between 400 and 500 events. And um, in full transparency, I was losing my mind. <laughs> I was going to say, that's, that's way too many, Annalie. <laughs> um, but it got to a point I, I had for a while been looking at what was the next step. And the next step for me was director of catering convention services. And I was looking at that and was that really going to like kind of get me to this life that I wanted later on? And was it going to allow me the autonomy to, you know, make some big moves and train people up and all of this? And and I, I didn't see it for myself. I think that it is the right path for some and it just wasn't the right path for me. Um, I've always been a bit of an entrepreneur spirit spirit. And as I mentioned earlier, I like to question things a lot which can rub leadership wrong sometimes. Right. Um, I wouldn't encourage getting rid of that if you also are like me and like to question things. I just think that you have to learn how to hone in when and where is appropriate. And that would really help you regardless of what your path is. Um, So I left more out of a, just a leap to, to see what else was out there. Um, it was really hard for me to transition out of hotels, to be truly honest. I interviewed for a lot of companies and I have to say that a lot of like corporations don't have any clue how valuable somebody coming from hotels and hospitality is, um, because they've never had to work in it. And, Mm -hmm. um, they don't understand like how much you truly are managing, how adaptable you are, Mm -hmm. uh, how hardworking you are when you're coming from that type of industry. Mm -hmm. I think the secret's out a little bit more now since I've left. I think there are a lot more hotel people that are moving into the corporate world afterwards, but at the time it just wasn't the trend, um, especially in the Bay Area with tech companies, tech was hiring tech and that was about it. Yeah. Um, I also think that this was my path. And so the universe just kind of put up a few blocks to help me get closer to this a little bit faster. Right. 
Um, so I left and decided to be just an LLC, which was at my, uh, the advice of my father. Um, if you ever are thinking of being an entrepreneur or eventually getting there and you want to do research um, or some side work, I highly encourage you to go through the formality of getting a sole proprietorship or an LLC because mm-hmm. you can start having expenses that become tax write-offs and start building credit for your company, which you will need later on. And so just get one. It's not very expensive and not very hard. Um, if you think this is the path that you might want to go on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a small nugget. So anyways, got that done and then became a consultant. Um, and in order to have the confidence to do so, I confided in some of my very close clients that I had built really good relationships with at the hotel. Um, I wasn't going to be a competitor. I wasn't going to a competitor. So it didn't feel bad. It was actually almost helping bring business back to the hotels if people were going to be working with me because right. I knew them. So it'd be so much easier for me to work within these hotels. Right. So when I got the feedback from a few of my key uh, network of that they would hire me in a hot second, uh, I decided that, okay, I there's some validity to this. I could probably go down this path. And I did a cost analysis. It was totally wrong. Um, I thought I had runway for like six plus months. And in reality, I think it maybe lasted me two and a half. Uh-huh. Um, so I took on anything that I could. I mean, I was really there for the experience. I was very experienced in hotels and I could do that in my sleep. But the thing is, is that all events are not in hotels and right. I didn't experience from the other side. So I started picking up odd jobs everywhere and working with anyone I could right. um, at just about any rate that I could. Right. Um, so I did music festivals. I did uh, weddings. Bless you, whoever decides to continue to go through weddings. That is not my thing. <laughs> right, right. Um, I work special person, yeah. <laughs> very special personality, and I admire them deeply. Yeah, me too. Um, I was hired back by my by Starwood to actually consult both in training my replacement and working with their global events team. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the first year, I just took on odd jobs. And all of the relationship building that I did prior in my hotel life, um, I've always made sure that I've never walked away from an interaction in a negative light. Mm -hmm. Um, I always made sure that I kept in touch with people that I clicked with because I knew that my network was going to be my most important thing, the most valuable thing. Um, And I mean, fast forward eight years later, and it still is the most important thing that I bring to this business is my network. And uh, my relationships, but yeah. so that was my that was my path to leaving, and I had no intentions of becoming an agency. Uh, just this was the this is going to be the bridge to my next whatever. Um, but referrals started to happen, and more business started to come my way, and I got better at what I was doing and more confident. Um, I wasn't crazy confident in the beginning, but I faked it. Right. Which is very important. Very important. And, yeah. You know, 
as you will learn in this industry, in this, in this degree is that like, just, you got to be really resourceful. So that's why your network's so important. Is there your resources? Um, if you don't know something, you can go learn it. We don't, this, you know, we're not saving lives here. We're not conducting open heart surgery. Right. So, you know, almost everything can be learned on the job. Right. Um, as long as you're very smart and about, you know, safeguarding yourself a little bit for when things go wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. I love it. Um, so that's, I mean, I can fast forward to. Yeah, I was going to say, so fast forward, what, seven, eight years later, right? Uh, yeah. you're, you you have, uh, you just hired your 12th employee. And um, so what started is you and just doing consulting um, has grown into a, a full operation. Um, yeah. So what what's that like on a daily basis, you know, to be, to be the founder and CEO of your own company and to, 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 you know, be the person that, that, that makes it, makes it all, all um, ultimately um, fit and work together. Like what's your, what's your daily, what's your daily like? Are you, uh, are you doing more inspiring and motivating now? Or are you, uh, what's your, or leading? Um, what's your, what's your day-to-day like? Sure. I mean, I think that there's one important piece not to skip over that does really play into where we are today for me to be able to talk about what I do is that through my relationships, through my experience, I met my business partner, Danielle, um, and we both had our own independent uh, event planning companies where it was just us as consultants. And we realized how complementary we were in our skill sets as we were hiring each other out to support each other. And so it really is with her partnership that I was able to see the opportunity for an agency and really able to see this life as like a CEO versus just an event planner. Mm-hmm. Um, but my relationship with her and she is an incredibly hard worker and inspires me all the time, um, also blows me away all the time and our clients. That really inspired to like be bigger and better because we both saw a hole in this market for truly personable, honest, transparent event production services. Um, you know, back in earlier parts of my time, that's not really how the industry functioned. It was very much like commissions from your vendors and upcharging um, what you're selling. And so, you know, clients didn't have a true grasp of what things cost versus what they were paying to their planners. And so in contrast, when they're weighing one planner's bid versus another planner's is you really can't compare them because you don't know what's happening in the background. You know, somebody that's being paid by all of their vendors can approach a client at a much lower rate than somebody that's not. So that was something that we saw a hole for. There was a lot of clients that wanted to understand absolutely everything about what they were putting into their events as events were becoming more complicated and way more expensive. It was important for them to be educated. Um, And so Danielle and I saw this opportunity and that's when we brought both of our companies together to create Bash Creative Inc., not LLC, big difference. Um, We're now a corporation. So with that, we divide and conquer the operations for our business. She is our director of event operations and oversees absolutely everything production. And I'm CEO and I oversee um, sales and finance and HR and culture and training and basically the business operations of things. Right. Right. Um, 
the transition was not as easy as you might think. It was very hard for me to let go. Of, I was going to say, yeah, you were doing yeah. all of that event production and now you kind of had to let that go, huh? Right. And until then, that's where I was really satisfied. That's what I was here for was the interactions, being able to get that adrenaline rush when you're on site and, you know, having that energy that you feel when you get to finish and accomplish and you watch that tear down, like that was my reward previously. So to let go of it was a process. Absolutely. And Danielle had her own letting go, like not being in charge of all of our finances all the time and not necessarily knowing exactly where the next piece of business is coming from. So we had to grow together and um, something that's unique with our partnership that works for us. And I would encourage for others if it works for them Mm-hmm. is we treat it a little bit like a marriage. Ah, um, ah. We have a, we see a therapist together. <laughs> I was going to say, that was going to be my next question is like, how do you, what, what's your advice for, for having a business partner and how to, how to manage those? Because there have been stories over the years of, you know, business partners falling apart. And um, so, yeah. so great. You, you anticipated my segue. I love it. Well, business partners aren't for everybody. And I think something that really helped both of us appreciate each other and the work that we do is that we had our own businesses first. So we had to do everything on our own first. And now, you know, we are able to um, implicitly trust each other for the areas that we hold. And we really appreciate the work that the other person does. And we're, we're, connected by our values, because if you get to know the two of us, we're massively opposite. Um, We attack things completely differently, but we will end at the same result because we are bound by these values and these morals that we share. Um, And one is self-development. And that has been incredibly important. We do not know how to do this the best. We have never done this this way before. Um, And bringing in like when we first had enough money to bring in outside assistance, that was the first thing we invested in. Even before personnel was, uh, we had a life coach that we shared. And so we would do sessions together. Um, We have a business coach who we use as a third party to help us understand like, what is the right move for hiring or what is the right move for sales? Uh Um, We now have an executive coach that we work with to help train us as managers and uh, realize like, you know, how can we best serve our team? Um, As executives, we also really believe that we serve our team. They do not serve us. And that I think that mentality is not always shared among executives across the board. Um, So really doing a lot of very intentional work with each other Mm -hmm. for our growth and to be able to support our teams because we're not perfect, you know? Right. Well, you know, one of the themes that I keep hearing from you, Annalie, that I just love is that lifelong learning, um, growth and development um, seems to be a common theme. And um, it's just I think it's something very important for for young um, professionals to hear and and to understand that 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 you're not you're not going to stop learning. If you no, stop learning, lessons yeah. all, there's lessons available in everything that you do. Yeah. Um, it's just your choice if you want to learn them. Exactly. That's that's the key. It's your your choice of, of whether or not you're gonna stop and reflect. You know, one of the things that I that I say for um when we talk about learning here in higher education is that you know, re- reflect. Like when I when we ask you to do a volunteer 
experience. We're not just asking you to do the voluntary experience to just do the voluntary experience. We're asking you to reflect on the growth and development that you experience through that. And, um, and that's something that if you hold that value throughout your career, and it sounds like you've done that um, in spades, I mean, that's, that's going to benefit you. And um, yeah. learn that. how to learn, like learn how to learn. Be, right. Exactly. Here. And, you know, Cal Poly is offering a lot of experiences that are directly related to you know, the topic you're interested in. But the best thing that you can take away from this education is to learn how you best learn. It may not be by only attending a lecture or it may not be by only reading a book, like learn how you are going to absorb and retain information because that's going to be really important for your progress. I mean, not just in your profession, but your personal life as well. Right. Right. So, so you're out there, you're out there in the streets doing it, making it happen. Right. Um, and uh, so I'd love to hear what you think about um, our shift. Right. And so um, we, we haven't abandoned our roots. I make sure that I, uh, I say that to, to, to everyone that, that we talk to or, or that I talk to. Um, but with embracing this experience industry management approach, you know, it's ultimately um, we're, we're embracing that co-creation of experiences because we saw that as something that is going to be lasting. It's not going to change. We've 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 um, entered this um, we've entered this realm, and I think people understand it. And whenever I talk to people about it, um, it resonates with them, right? They go, oh, yeah, wow, yeah, that is what I'm doing. And, and um, I don't mean to speak for you. I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective on, is that what you're seeing? Is that co-creation of experiences, is that something that you see as important and something that will sustain in the long term? Yeah, I mean, if we're talking directly about the pandemic, <laughs> Um, then, I mean, I would say that I've actually never felt more secure in this industry because we watched people, everyone put themselves in danger in order to be able to participate in events. I mean, weddings are happening like no problem in the midst of a crazy pandemic and people are putting their lives at stake. So like, I never knew the general population was so dedicated to events and experiences. And so now I know that we're definitely not going anywhere. However, just like I said, that the type of events that exist today or the type of events that happened in 2019 didn't exist when I went into my degree. I mean, it this industry will continue to reinvent itself over and over and over again. So if you plan to be in it for the long term, um, it's not just, a, you know, your step to the next something else. You have to change over yeah. and over and over again. Um, yeah. And, you know, not be scared of that. So my observation of our industry through this pandemic and the losing of so much business and, you know, moving to virtual and now we're moving into a hybrid was that there was kind of two camps. There were people that were really intimidated and unwilling to um change their current business scope and people that were like all right strap in let's do this i don't know what's gonna look like on the other end but i'm gonna make it up along the way yeah and (laughs) companies that took the approach of like let's do this are actually doing incredible right now i mean this is our best year on the books ever uh love it that's so great to hear we were able to 
triple the size of our team in the last year and a half and higher based off of the fact that we adapted our services to what the need was at the time. I, as the CEO, the only thing I knew to do when this all happened was to just reach out and be in touch. I was in touch with everything from like uh, magicians to large AV studios, to marketing companies, to our clients, to catering. I mean, farmers, I was in touch with anyone that had anything to do with our industry just to find out what, what is your experience? What's going on? And this kind of probably stems back from my time in hotels, wanting to understand everyone. But um, in that I found inspiration and I heard where the holes were and what were the problems and what became glaringly obvious was that all these large corporations, especially tech who had been resting on cool campuses and experiences and freebies and free lunch no longer had that to offer to their employees anymore. And now we're kind of ground zero from a cultural standpoint. Like what's keeping you at Google versus Facebook versus Salesforce versus Twitter? Like they're all now the same. No one has a bigger, badder campus. No one is offering bigger, badder um, benefits. You know, everybody's stuck at home. Everybody's working all, no matter who you're working for in those industries, of course, I'm very aware. Not everybody can work from home for what they do, but um, so company culture became huge. And because the pandemic was a, is, is a global experience, not just something limited to the Bay area or the United States. There was a shared experience among all of their employees that could be an opportunity to bring them together where they never would have felt so together because they were separated Mm -hmm. events before this pandemic were were limited to the time and the space and the location that they were in before now we can reach hundreds of thousands of people worldwide at the same time yeah so there's a lot that really came out or is coming out of this pandemic that is absolutely going to affect the trajectory of this industry and it should yeah um i'm excited to see how we take this yeah. this transition yeah. is a pain in the you know what right. and <laughs> it is very difficult and my team bless them all are working night and day to make right. things happen because we know we need to right now right. they're avoiding burnout the best they possibly can and it's pretty impossible um, but there, our company specifically grew probably five, 10 years in just a year and a half based off of the experience we gained. Right. Wow. Uh, man, we need to package that five minutes that you just gave uh-huh. and we need to do, that needs to be like a keynote somewhere, Annalie, like that, later, that alone, our, website? Yeah, <laughs> our, stu- our students who listen to that just got like an advanced degree. Um, so, uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. It's so, um, it's so lovely to, to get to know you and, um, and to, to hear your story and just want to say, kudos and thanks and um, really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. For anybody that wants to keep up with our story and see what we're doing, you can find us on social media, Instagram at Bash Creative. Um, Please come check out our website. Uh, We also have open opportunities for contract positions too. So if you want to get a little bit of experience, please reach out to us. It's www.bash-creative. 
like my last name, creative.com. I love it. Um, and we'd love to be able to be in touch, especially any Cal Poly students. Awesome. And I'll, I'll provide links um, when I when I post the podcast too. So that'll be great. Thanks for, thanks for that. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you for the opportunity. Have a wonderful yeah. day. You too. Bye. Bye.